Hey there, thanks for tuning in. So excited to bring you Superstar PR season six. I promise this season is just a thank you to everyone who's been listening and I'm bringing you some really interesting folks. Please rate, subscribe, stick around, and thanks for listening. Parents, have no fear because Tia is here. This is a wonderful parenting coach. Uh, Tia Slightham has joined us on our podcast season six. Tia is a parenting coach, teacher, business owner, best-selling author, and most importantly, a mom. She's the founder of the Tia Slightham Parenting Solutions and the Parenting with Purpose Method, where she works with parents to teach them positive ways to decrease the daily struggles we all encounter as parents. Oof. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Well, you know, Tia, like we see it all. I mean, how do you think parents are doing back to school? You see it. Yeah, I see it every day with clients in my program that I work with from around the world to people I communicate with through social media. Parents are struggling. It's it's not been easy. I, I know I hate to go back to COVID. I hate to go back there, but it really has been a long haul of, you know, transitioning into that, transitioning out of that, getting back to real life. And parenting wasn't easy before all of that. And so I feel like parents have been really hard on themselves. And I will say parenting is not intuitive. It's a learned skill. And there's lots that we can talk about that can help parents build their skill set so things can be easier. Oh, this is all good. So you know, with COVID and just touching on that, I work with some doctors who say that we are We've not addressed what happened to kids during very formative years. Kids now are addicted to screens. So I guess we can start there. How do you deal with a kid who's just addicted to a screen now? And they say, that's how I learned during COVID. Yeah. So here's what we want to consider. We want to consider that every behavior happens for a deep-rooted meaning, purpose, goal. It's not just to make parents crazy. It's not because your kids are being bratty. It, it really isn't. It might feel like they're doing things deliberately, but they're not. They're trying to communicate something to you. And a lot of the behaviors we see in our kids, and this is not to point fingers at parents, but is a direct reflection of our parenting, meaning the way we are parenting is teaching them that it's okay or not okay to do the things they do. So if we look at screens, for example, we're not meaning to teach them the wrong things. We're doing everything out of love. We're doing it from the right place, but we don't have the skills. And so we end up sort of for lack of a better word, messing up. And then our kids are addicted to screens or back talking, refusing to listen, won't do their homework. And we're like, why? But it's because we don't know how to teach them how to do things differently. So if we look at screens, we really need to look at why our kids won't get off the screens. So what's happening when our kids are on the screens and then they won't get off? Typically, lots of reminders, empty threats. If you don't get off of that, I'm taking it away. If you don't get off that screen, like you got to do something with your life. What the heck? All you do is, I mean, this is what's going on. And then we yell and we scream. And maybe we take their screens away because we've had enough. We haven't solved the problem. And the problem is that we need to know how to set boundaries with our kids in a respectful way, maintain them, and really follow through always with discipline and never punishment. And that's where we have to follow that path to finally break those cycles. Ooh, I like that. Discipline, not punishment. What's the difference? Yes. So most parents use punishment as a way to teach their kids a lesson in hopes that they'll do better next time. So if we look at our own upbringing, I know if I look at mine, yelling or timeouts or taking things away or threatening the wooden spoon. I never had the wooden spoon, but it was a threat. My mom would be like, and then we'd laugh. 
You know what it is. <laughs> so, I mean, it's we. that's how we were raised because our parents didn't have any other skill sets and that's how they were raised. And I think as generations pass, things get a little bit better, but we don't have those skills in place. And so punishment is anything that causes your child blame, shame, or pain. Jane Nelson of Positive Discipline quotes that, blame, shame, or pain. And what that means is when we use those typical parenting tactics, the timeouts, empty threats, yelling, rewards, bribery, taking things away, overpowering your kids, in the moment, they might stop doing what you want them to do because you've scared them or you've just draw, drawn that hard line, but they do the same stuff over and over because we didn't teach them how to do better next time. But when we look at discipline, it simply means teach and train. So you're always disciplining as a parent. You're always teaching them when they make a mistake, when they act in a way you're not happy with, how they can do better next time, giving them the skills to make changes so they can become their best selves. I like that. Teach and train. Okay. I'll give you a scenario, Tia. Not to put you on the spot. You can say no, Nikki. I have have two nieces and five and seven. Five-year-old listens. And I'm I'm an explainer. I feel like they're little adults. Okay. So I'm like, this is why we don't run into the road because cars go boom. They'll hurt you. So stay. Seven-year-old. We've said the same thing. Seven-year-old books it into the road every time. And I'm like, as an aunt, I don't even know what I'm doing wrong because these are different than my kids. <laughs> what am I doing wrong? Yeah, you're not doing anything wrong. What's happening is what happened before she came to you, before you asked her not to go on the road. So if I had to guess and if I was a fly on the wall, and normally when I guess, I'm normally right, but not always because no one's perfect. But I would bet that when mom or dad say something, she gets multiple chances. They repeat themselves. Sometimes they give in. Sometimes they go really gray in their boundaries and she keeps pushing to find boundaries. So if we look at kids, they are born with two predetermined jobs to please you, which is amazing, but also push boundaries until boundaries are found. So if you say you can't run in the road, no, you can't go in the road, it's not safe. And then she runs in the road and then you say, gosh, you can't do that. No, no, no. You got to come here. You can't go in the road. And we just keep letting her go. We keep repeating ourselves. She doesn't really know what that boundary is. So a lot of times when parents finally yell, they think, oh, there's the boundary. I don't need to listen until my parents yell because the yelling is when I get the signal that there's a boundary. So what we need to do instead is follow through with something. So it might look something like this. Okay, we're going to go out for a walk. Here's the things that we need to do in order to be out on a walk. And either these things happen or we have to come back because it's just not going to be safe. So either you hold my hand when we cross the road or we turn around and we go back. You choose. Give them power. Give them choice. Set your plan up in advance. We go out willy-nilly hoping our kids are going to behave, but really we need to give them those expectations in advance. I love that, Tia. That That is so good. Okay. Now um, I have to ask you, how important is it to know like what's a meltdown versus a tantrum? Like I've seen kids behave a little differently and my spidey senses are like, okay, they're saying something, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And and here's where we need to, again, realize every behavior has a purpose. So if we just see our kids having an outburst, our toddlers kicking and screaming on the floor or our teenagers back talking, these are all outbursts from no matter what the age of your child. And we just think, knock it off. That's so annoying. Why are you crying like that? That's so loud. Like, why are you doing that? We're not actually helping our kids. We're not supporting them. We're not hearing them. We're not validating them. Doesn't mean that they they need to forever 
have these massive outbursts. But if we don't ever hear them and we don't ever validate them, they're going to get louder and louder and louder because they desperately want to be heard. So we need to know why the behavior is happening. And if you don't know why, that's something I work with parents on, really understanding why behaviors happen. Because when you look at an outburst, it could be a tantrum or it could be a meltdown. Those two behaviors have very similar um, what they look like to you. They look loud. They look aggressive, banging hands, banging heads, pounding, slamming doors. They look the same. So parents consider them the same and they use the terms interchangeably. But actually, the root cause of why they happen is entirely different. Meltdowns happen when your child is overwhelmed. It's like you have a big pitcher of water and you keep filling it and filling it and filling it. It just overflows and you just keep filling it up. That's how your child feels emotionally and physically when they're having a meltdown. That is a very different behavior than a tantrum, which is your child's just pissed. They are pissed that you won't give them another cookie. They're ticked off that they have to leave the park. They want to stay and they're going to let you know. Those are two totally different things. And if you really think about it, gosh, what's the last time your child had an outburst? Maybe they were really overwhelmed and you completely yelled and got mad and frustrated with them and they just needed you. Or maybe they got really irritated and had a tantrum because when you when you left the park last time, you said, okay, five more minutes when they begged. But now today, you don't have the patience for five more minutes. Well, that's not fair. So we have to look at our own parenting and how we can support our kids and how we can understand what those behaviors are. That's brilliant, Tia. You know, I um, I like the visual you just applied to both, you know, both those moments because I had my daughter at a football game and she's four. She's a COVID baby. And once she got to the football game and, you know, she started to whimper and hold on to me. And um, what part of me was like, is this like um, defiance or is this like I'm scared? Mm-hmm. Uh, my instinct was like, I think she's just scared. There's fireworks and there's fighter planes above her and she's never experienced this. So we're just going to hug. And I know that in that moment, um, I was thankful that I follow you because she just needed a hug and then she was fine. Five minutes of a hug and then we got over the fighter jets. <laughs> Yeah. And that's amazing because you really use your gut and your intuition and you listen to her because sometimes we want to listen to our kids, but we just don't have the patience. And so I encourage parents to think about their days kind of from morning to night and all day long, you are irritated and yelling and power struggling with your kids. You're not going to have the patience. And so we've got to go back to kind of square one and get you to a place where Days are pretty smooth and then you have your ups and downs and your hiccups and you can manage them. If you're managing, trying to manage things left, right and center, we're human. We can only take so much. Oh, this is so wise. Oh my gosh. Okay. So what tools can parents use to support and manage big feelings in the moment? You know, I really like the visual applications you're giving to some of these feelings because I do think, you know, we've all been in those moments. Yeah. So here's what I want you to think about. Parenting's like a piece of pie. 90% of that piece of pie is proactive parenting. 10%, you know, the alternative proactive is reactive, but I like to say responsive. So 10% we're responding to situations. 90% we should be proactively avoiding situations. So that means we're setting the stage for success. So if we look at the tantrums and the meltdowns, meltdowns, kids become overwhelmed. They're tired. They're hungry. They've had too much stimulation. They're somewhere new and it's scary. There's a transition they're unaware of. That's where we proactively really want to be 
on top of things, checking off their behavior roadmap to make sure they've gone to bed, they've had enough quality quantity sleep, they're not over hungry. You've really talked them through the plans of what's happening. So we have to ask ourselves, have we done our job? That's really important when it comes to meltdowns. Have we done our job proactively? And then in the moment when the meltdown happens, that's where you really just put your superhero cape on and you are like the support king or queen. How can I help them through this moment where it's not about quieting them? It's not about making them stop feeling. Their feelings are fine, but how can we help them through the moment? Just like you did with the fighter jets and giving her a hug and helping her through. They just need some support. That might mean a hug. It might mean, hey, would you like to step outside at a birthday party because it's a little overwhelming? Let's just step outside the two of us for a few minutes. It might be working with your kids on some coping mechanisms like taking deep breaths or going to listen to some music when they need some quiet time. What can you do to help your child deal with those big feelings? When tantrums happen, our proactive parenting is where we need to look at, do we have clear boundaries? Have we told them in advance? Or are we just going to the park and then saying, time to go, and you get to call all the shots? If you are calling all the shots, your kids are going to dig their heels in. They're going to say, screw you. I'm human too. I have a say. No way, Jose. So that's why we need to make sure our proactive parenting is setting that stage. So if you get to the park and your child has a tantrum or they refuse or they won't eat their dinner and they're, they're losing their mind, I recommend that parents use my three-step tantrum strategy. So it's validate, choice, space. So you can remember it as VCS. So everybody keep VCS in their pocket and it's validate, choice, space. So it would look something like this. You're at the park. You've told your child that there's five minutes. And then in five minutes, you're going to go, you've set the timer, they know you've done your proactive parenting, but they're still really upset by the fact that they need to go. They're having a hard time with that. Then you are going to one, validate. Gosh, I see it's really hard to leave the park. I know it's hard to leave things when they're fun. I totally understand that. Two, you're going to give them a choice. We can either come back tomorrow or after lunch or after snack. What would you like to do? Give them a choice. Give them something to think about. Give them some more power so they know what's happening. And then if they're really having trouble, you can give them space. If you were at a park, I wouldn't give them space and really leave them. If you were at home, you would just walk away. Don't give them an audience. If you were at the park, your choice might also be either you can walk to the car or I can carry you to the car. You choose. And then you get them in the car, you put them in, and you just give them space. You don't need to talk about it. You don't need to be mad about it. When they're calm after a tantrum or after a meltdown, that's always where we connect before we direct. And that means you hug, you put them on your lap, you sit with them, you go for a walk with them depending on age, and then you talk about what happened, how hard that was to be at the park and not want to leave, how scary that was to have those big planes and that noise. How can we help next time so that things go more smoothly? Oh, this is all very powerful advice because I never even thought, Tia, of explaining the moment before it happens. Uh -huh. um, but that's that's very good advice. Thank you. Because sometimes I'm like, how can I explain this to a four year old? But I think it would have helped her if I had said there will be loud airplanes that may have a powerful noise you've never heard. So this is very good advice. To you. I want you to think about that, Nikki, all day, every day. You literally, before you go to Disneyland, before you go to a restaurant, before you go to the grocery store, are you planning to buy treats that day or are you not planning to buy treats that day? Do they get to choose something at the store or not? What day do they get to choose something? Let them know. Put a sticker on the calendar so they know when it's treat day at the store. Don't just keep telling your kids over and over, no, 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 or I'm not going to do that. Because then you're, what we say, saying boundaries, and you're not setting boundaries. 
And if we say boundaries, our kids don't hear us because we repeat them all the time. And if you repeat, your kids don't listen. But if you set boundaries, you're doing your proactive work ahead of time. So good. So good to you. Oh my gosh, I can't. Okay, last question. Mom guilt is created, not required. It's a big one for me, Tia. I'm I'm not proud to say that I'm the mom who put them in after school care and then I wait outside after school care and I take big calls in the playground because I feel bad that they're there. Instead of taking your big calls at home? Yeah, man. Because you think you need to be in the vicinity. Yeah. Oh my goodness. You are killing me. Okay. So you can let that go. You can let that go. We don't need to be around our kids every minute of every day. They actually don't want to be around us every minute of every day. And we need them to go and to develop social skills and to have independence and feel like they can do things without you. So they're great being there. They're amazing being there. You get to do you. They get to do them. So mom guilt is created, not required. We are not required to feel badly because we work and our best friend does not. We are not required to feel guilty because we work really long hours or maybe even weekends and our other parents are stay-at-home moms or dads. We are not required to feel guilty because we don't work. There is no reason for us to be required to have guilt. We are creating that based on our own thoughts. So I want you to remember it's quality over quantity. When you are with your kids, if you are fighting all the time and, in, and yelling and you're having these power struggles, you're going to be full of guilt. Because that guilt means you had a really shitty time together and now you're leaving them and you left them on a bad note and you feel awful. That is where we are creating it. But it, it still isn't required. We can work on our parenting. We can solve those challenges. We can have great quality time and they can go to school and we can go to work and everything is fine. Oh, this is brilliant. Thank you, Tia, for joining me today. Uh, I feel like I'm going to get a lot of questions after this podcast and s season six it's time for the big guns like Tia and Tia. I really like the parents. Have no fear. Tia's here. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really like that too. I feel like I need a superhero cape with that. I love it. Yeah, a little cape. You walk in and you just help us understand what we're doing wrong. So thank you for these tips, Tia, because I, I do feel like most of it's us and what we could do differently with our little humans. <laughs> mm -hmm. And as soon as you start making changes, your kids will follow suit right behind you and things get easier so fast when you start actually implementing things that have been proven to work. Ah, look at that exhale I just took. I'm, I'm going to try that. Yes, I'm, I'm going to let you know how this goes. Thank you so much, Tia. Have yourself a wonderful day, Supermom. Thank you for having me as well. And you are a Supermom yourself. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Superstar PR. Please remember, if you like what you heard, share it with your friends. Don't forget to rate and review the show. This is a labor of love. We'll see you next week for our newest episode.